Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. As we all experience the heartbreak, pain, suffering, lost trauma, some type of grievance or sadness, these type of emotions and experiences, if left unaddressed, they show up in other ways in our life. I'm Alexandra Charles, and welcome to We Are All Broken. I invite you to join me on this transformative journey of of self-healing, of well-being, and uh, greater awareness. Hope everybody's doing all right. All right, all right, all right. So today's show, I'm going to focus on a very interesting experience that I had last year. I've never experienced it before. And so this is what makes it so strange. So last year, my aunt passed away. She is my aunt by marriage. So my auntie's in-law. And we never really had a close relationship, her and I. I know she has had uh, close relationships with other cousins, which, you know, is really nice. But I would say her and I have never had a, a close relationship. It just I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I'm quiet. And I just don't know why we never really fostered a relationship. So fast forward, right? Last year, I'm leave, I left work. I drive home. I pull into my driveway. The furthest thing from my mind is this Tati. I pull into my driveway and all of a sudden I am just like frozen, like staring. And it feels like my eyes are watering up and I'm feeling an emotion over my body. And I hear this Tati, Tati, by the way, is auntie in Creole. I hear this Tati's voice and she's saying, you are always so uptight. And you really shouldn't be like that. You should look to be more easygoing and free. And that was all. That's all she said to me. That's all I heard. And after that experience, I walked into my home. And obviously, (laughs) after such an interesting, strange experience like that, um, you know, I just kind of kept it to myself. But I, I pondered on that for quite a bit. And I thought, is this my imagination or is this a message that Tati has for me? And the more I thought about it and I looked at the facts, her and I didn't have a relationship. She wasn't top of mind for me. Actually, my godmother had passed away that same year and um, and um, she was very close to me. So if anything, I, I was um, thinking a lot about my godmother and how much she meant and, you know, that she was gone. I've got a lot going on with work. Uh, i got two girls, got a fiance, like lots of things on my mind. And Tati, God bless her, was not one of them. So I, So as I'm thinking about it, I can only come to one conclusion. This was absolutely... A message. This was her spirit that wanted to get this over to me. So since that experience, I've been thinking about how uptight I can be, and I I'll admit it. I accept it. I admit it. Um, and not only am I uptight sometimes, or like you know, I, I I take things so seriously because I want people to take me seriously. Ah, remember, now I'm not, it's not only that I realize I can be uptight sometimes, um, inflexible, rigid, or even easily aggravated. I also realized that I had carried a lot of my mother's grievances. So my mother and I were very, very close. Uh, she passed away when I was in high school. And, um, and then I had to grow up quickly, but all throughout my high school, I'd say I was like a big kid and I just wanted to be close to my mom. So 
because I spent so much time with my mother, and again, I was so shy growing up that I was afraid to talk to people. I was afraid to talk to whether it's cousins, classmates. I was just that shy. The only person I really spoke to was my mom, my sisters, um, a few, a handful of cousins. And, and that was it because I was just afraid to, to speak my mind. So I, I realized that because I had spent so much time with my mother and because I cherish her so much, in an, in an effort to hold on to her memory, I realized that I was holding on to her grievances and carrying them forward. And as I talk about this, it makes me a little bit shaken up because that's how I dealt with the grief by carrying on any issues she had with others. And I want to talk a little bit about some of those issues my mother had. And they were completely valid, right? Anybody's experience, um, their feelings, their emotions, they're all valid. So my mother came from Haiti um, in the 70s. She tells me, she told, she would tell me that she came to the United States with a phone number in her pocket and $5. And that's all she had from Haiti. So she arrives in New York. She calls this number. It seems, uh, she tells me it's, it's, it was the number of one of her cousins. And so she calls the number. She tells the cousin that she's there. The cousin welcomes her in. Um, my mother spent some time there. She ended up getting a job. She was very much a go-getter. And, um, she says that eventually, I don't know how much time passed because my mother wasn't really a talker. So a lot of this, a lot of the information I just have to piece together. But however long she was there, this cousin of hers who was married decided that she was going to kick my mom out. So my mother never really gravitated. So she, she, my mom had to leave. She had to leave this cousin's house and uh, she's in New York City you know, with no family, no other family, no friends yet. You know, she's a foreigner and she's left to fend by herself. She ends up pushing through because my mom was an incredible woman. So, uh, you know, she, she later bought a home, had a family. Um, her husband came from Haiti. It was, you know, it's, it's a beautiful love story. It's a, not an, it's a very beautiful love story. But some of the things my mother would say was she wouldn't visit those cousins in New York just because she felt like they didn't care about her. So, so when other aunties were going to visit, were taking their children to go visit these, these cousins, my mother never went. Meanwhile, some of my other cousins, they were you know, we're from Jersey. So, and this family was in New York. So they, like almost every other weekend, they were going to New York to visit these family members. And because my mother was so hurt by what they did, she just didn't foster that relationship. She didn't keep a relationship. And we didn't, her children, she has four, she had four children. None of us really, none of us, I'm not even going to say really, none of us kept in touch with any of this New York family. And I would love to have, have a better understanding of why my sisters never felt a need to maintain any of these relationships with the, the, the New York family. Um, but one of the other grievances my mother had would be, you know, when my father passed away and he also, he passed away like a year before her. So I was in high school and I remember she would say that she was alone and she would need help. She was trying to renovate the home. And some of the people that were extremely close to her that she may have asked for help, they just weren't making themselves available or they would say they would charge her. And my mother was so distraught. Here she lost her husband. And might I share, she had also lost her sister two years before that, very close sister. And she's going to these super close people and asking for help. And they're they're saying, hey, yeah, I'll do this for you for, for at a cost. So 
that's another grievance I carried after she passed away. I always remembered those people that she said really hurt her. And so now as I'm starting this healing journey, I'm looking and I'm I'm realizing that it is not a good idea to carry that with me. And I can let go of mom. I mean, I'm sorry. I can let go of those grievances. They're not mine. And I can start fresh relationships and and come with an open heart um, to the world. An open heart to the world. That is so big for me because it ties back to my tati that passed, that visited me and had, you know, the story to share about, (laughs) it, it brings me back to my tati who basically told me that I was way too uptight. I realized I was uptight because, or too serious because I was holding, carrying all this on my shoulders. And it wasn't my place to do that. And now I'm, I want to be open to opportunities. I want to be able to have more compassion and put myself in someone else's shoes and understand that everyone and anyone has something that they may be going through. Just maybe a tough project at work or, a you know, if you're a student, an assignment that's really, you know, giving you a hard time, it could be the simplest thing, but everyone has something that we're dealing with. So I should have more compassion for people and not hold so much anger or resentment. And in opening my heart, I'm allowing spirit to guide me. And through through this process, spirit has absolutely guided me so many different areas in my life. But the issue is that I'll open my heart I'll open, you know, I'll be receptive to to opportunities, um, again, being more compassionate, putting myself in other people's shoes, having forgiveness for others. And then what happens is, you know, it, I open up like a flower and blossom. And then some experience happens that makes me kind of re- some experience happens and it makes me kind of retract. Like, okay, I was opening up. I can, you know, allow myself to be vulnerable. And then something happens. It could, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I knew I shouldn't trusted this woman. Or, you know what? I should have known better than to just allow myself to be open and free. So... I like to end my podcast with some quick tips. So what are my... Overall, well-being is so important. It's not only going out and exercising or even, you know, taking a hot shower bath. Well-being is your state of mind. It's your emotion. It's what you have in your soul. And I want to stay open. And I would just love to hear from everyone. Do you struggle with this where you open yourself to the world and something happens and you close up again? I want to continue to stay open and allow those experiences to happen and I can just watch them go by. I don't have to grab them. I don't have to hold on to them. I don't have to be a bag lady and store it in my bag. I can just let it go and let it float away. And so that's what I encourage you to do. If anything, I would like for you to take away from this podcast. If anything, I'd love for you to take away that um, let's be open. Let's allow spirit to guide us and, um, and I would like for you to take away a few things. One, 
Keep that third eye open. Third eye, I think through my meditation or through and through my, I think through my meditation, through my prayers, um, a lot of reflection, I'm learning how to open my third eye. And I don't know if I would have experienced Tati coming and, you know, even hearing her. Maybe she was there, but I would not have been able to hear her if I wasn't opening that third eye. And it's just being more aware, right? Being more aware, being more mindful. The other thing is joy is something that comes from within. So it's important that we don't hold on to uh, the the things that have hurt us in the past or even, um, so it's important that we don't hold on to things that have hurt us in the past or even things that have hurt our parents uh, or our loved ones. It's not ours to carry and we've, we've got to let that go. And finally, allow spirit to guide you. Spirit has guided me at times where I just wasn't sure what to do or how things were going to work out. And they always come together. Even when I make big, bold decisions and I'm thinking, well, all right, flower girl, flower child, you really did it this time. (laughs) Maybe be a little bit more conventional. But then nope, everything will come together. And everything comes together for the good, the greater good. Thank you for listening and Talk soon. Welcome to today's show. I am your host, Alexandra Charles, and today I have a very special guest. Um, I worked I worked with today's guest, Karishma, um, a few years ago, and then we also work together again now, and uh, she's one of my favorite people. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Uh, Karishma, would you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, Alex. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be on your show. Uh, this is uh, an honor. Um, so I was actually, I was born in India, in Bombay. Um, which is now called Mumbai. Um, and at the age of 13, I, we came to the U.S. Because uh, my dad found a, a job here in the U.S., so we came to the U.S. <clears throat> so I did my eighth grade, half of my eighth grade here. And then, yeah, I've been here uh, since then. I've only visited India twice. I recently was there on, um, like, a sabbatical, I would say, Um and yeah. Wonderful. And um, what what led you back to India on that sabbatical? So, um, see, uh, now when I look back, my whole life I've suffered, you know, with severe anxiety <clears throat> and depression. Um, and as I got older, I, you know, I thought things were getting better, but they were actually getting worse. Uh, worse. I would just uh, kind of, um, mask it with, you know, either going out or drinking or, you know, buying stuff, like going shopping and stuff like that. But things just started getting, you know, so bad that I, I couldn't uh, even function in my day-to-day life. Wow. And, and that's the only, re- only reason I went back. I went back because a family member, uh, you know, was sick and I hadn't been uh, to India in uh, I think over 15 years so my family in India they were really um, they really wanted me to come back and visit yeah so so yeah I I you know quit my job and I decided to go back and I'm I'm so glad I did Um, I, you know, I visited my family, but I also stayed at, um, a sanctuary, it's an ashram, which is focused on, um, you know, spiritual work. So we would wake up like 3.30 in the morning, do four hours of, um, uh, Kriya yoga and, uh, you know, meditation. And then we would all just volunteer. We would, it's called seva, uh, in India, it's called, you know, just you volunteer. 
So we get different tasks every day and we do that until like 10 p.m. And that was, you know, that was my life. I just did that every single day. Woke up, did my yoga and volunteered. And how long did you do that? Did you say one year? No, so I I initially got, uh, you know, heavily involved with all this, like the spiritual practices and yoga. With, that happened in 2017. Uh, that's when I actually had a panic attack. Uh, I was at a point in my life where I physically couldn't even step out of the out of my apartment. Because wow. even if I saw a person, a person talked to me or smiled at me, I would actually get like a panic attack. <laughs> wow. I would get severe anxiety. Um, I, I remember I had a few interviews, you know, so I decided to go on one interview and I sat in the waiting room and, you know, the receptionist is like, oh, so-and-so will be right with you. And I started feeling so much anxiety that I just left without saying anything. And that happened to me twice. Wow. So, yeah, I, I was unable to work. I was just, I was a hot mess. I was a freaking hot mess. And, you know, when I look back, even as a child, um, I had this. I had anxiety, but there was no name for anxiety in India. <laughs> right. No and depression is such taboo. Like in India, it's like looked down upon. So no one ever talks about it. Uh, you know, so I had um, a lot of anger also build up within me because I couldn't express myself. In India, you know, it's, you know, if you're highly intelligent in school, you know, people will just accept you and love you. But if you're doing bad in school, oh, my God, like they, they really put you down. Wow. I couldn't, I couldn't express myself, you know, um, I couldn't be creative. I just really had to focus on getting good grades. And I I did not like school growing up. So it just, nothing was working out. <laughs> well, wow. That's so interesting. So do you think that the anxiety started because of all the pressure from um, having to do well in school? Or is it just something you kind of always realized you had? And Yeah, so I think I always, I always had this. And yeah, those factors, you know, uh, definitely you know add to the anxiety but I think I always always had this anxiety and even growing up like uh, my parents you know would fight all the time so there were so many things I was always you know when I like I look back and I'm like oh my god I was always surrounded by so much turmoil you know right. external mm. um, and even within me there was so much turmoil. There was this, always this need to express myself, and, and I couldn't. <clears throat> and, um, you know, growing up, coming here, uh, well, initially when we came to the U.S., it was great because no one put so much emphasis on getting good grades. And <laughs> <laughs> school was so much easier. Like in India, yeah. oh, my God, the stuff that I learned here in eighth grade, I had learned in fifth grade. In wow, India. wow. I was acing everything. <laughs> 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 this is great. Wow. Uh, you know, so yeah, temporarily I was like, oh my God, this is great. But then I had to, of course, deal with other issues like bullying and this and that. And it was just one thing after the other. Right. Um, and, and, and towards the end, I just feel like I... You know, I, I'm not going to say life had created so much chaos, you know, because I feel like life just happens. I think I created so much chaos within myself because I was just unable to deal with anything. Because, mm. you know, I I was very much um, stuck to like, you know, this is how I want the outcome to be. You know, and after all this, there's one thing I've learned is like, you can't control outside situations. You just cannot, you cannot control people. You cannot control any outside situation. Right. You know, so when you get sucked into those outside situations, you know, you are part of it. So you are part of the chaos, you know? So I always try to change my outside situation, mm -hmm. you know, make my inside feel better. Wow. That's, you know, and that, yeah. Yeah, that never, never <laughs> works. 
an endless battle, you know, it really is. Right. Uh, so it's interesting how you talk about, you know, how having anxiety that's taboo in your culture, you know, me being of Haitian descent, it's the same thing. Anxiety actually doesn't even exist. They they don't even <laughs> understand anxiety, um, you know, so... You know, that bring us to current day. How is it, like, what is your current spiritual practice coming back from, from India and, and staying, you know? Yeah. So um, not a lot of people know this, but in 2017, when things were so, um, you know, there was so much turmoil in my life, I, I was introduced to this yoga center and this yogi, uh, his name's Sadhguru, uh, and I was initiated by him into yoga. Okay, so you've got to tell me what does that mean, initiated? So he um, initiated, how do I explain this? He, uh, so any any yoga practices that you do, you can do like, you know, you can go to a class and this and that. And it just becomes like um, yoga. I'm, I don't know how to explain this. Uh, it's just an activity you're doing. But when you're initiated, um it kind of activates you into the practice. Okay. So it, there's whole energetics, you know, involved with that. I mean, I'll, I'll look more into this and I'll get back to you, you know, but that's pretty much he um, activates the practice. So it becomes a part of you. Yeah. That's, Got yeah. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And what does, what is the initiation process? Is it a... So it's it's actually a kriya yoga, so it's a, like a twenty one minute practice that I do, uh, and it comes uh, you know before I do the practice, there's a pre yoga, you know, to kind of set the body in the proper condition to uh, become more receptive to the practice. Mm -hmm. So I do. I used to do a lot more practices. I used to do three and a half, four hours of practices every, even when I wasn't at the you know the center, the yoga center. Even at home, I was waking up 3.30 and doing all those practices. I don't do that um, uh, anymore. I do like an hour mm -hmm. of yoga, Kriya yoga and meditation in the morning. And then I do a little something again, uh, you know, in the afternoon. Then uh, if I have time, I'll do something again, like in the evening, like at 6 p.m. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. And then before I go to bed, I do another 30 minutes. So throughout my day. Uh, this has become, uh, you know, an integral part of my routine. Wow. Um, I, I, I honestly, I think of it is like how we take a shower, right? We take a shower every single day to clean our body. Uh, so we don't smell <laughs> you know, and proper hygiene. This is an internal cleansing. You know, this is an internal cleansing. Um, and I feel like this is so, so important, especially if you're like me. And you're overly sentimental and everything sticks to you. <laughs> yeah. You're affected by each and everything that happens. So that was one big thing growing up for yeah. me too. I was affected by everything. Like, mm. you know, if someone said something or someone would come over and they would stay over, I would get so attached to them. Yeah. When they left, mm -hmm. I would literally throw a tantrum. My mm. mom was like, oh my God, you're crying? Like someone just died. Wow. Well, I would get so attached to everything, the good, the bad, like everything. Yeah. So wow. I, that, I think that's sort of like an imbalance, you know, that because of the strong attachments, you know, I'm not able to let go of things. Yeah. And I'm part of like the chaos. Right. So because I have such a tight grip on everything. Wow. Um, we're going to do a quick uh, check. I want to make sure. All right. Good? Yes. Ready. Okay. So, yeah, Isha, uh, you know, provides a lot of tools uh, for, uh, you know, spiritual growth. Uh, they have um, free uh, classes on yoga for success, yoga for health, yoga for joy. And these are tools, you know, everyone can take advantage of. And they're great because I do these throughout the day. You know, they're not that long either. So it's like 10, 15 minutes. So, yeah, for that, I I strongly believe in how Isha, um, you know, does their practices and um, 
meditation because that has that has been the only thing that has worked for me. Wow. Um, but other things I would just say, just, uh, you know, follow, follow the, your inner guidance. Like there is this inner guidance for everyone because my situation situation is just so unique to my experiences, you know, and for everyone, you know, um, their journey is going to be very unique. So it, it's not something, um, you know, that I can tell them what to do. Right. Uh, but I, I would just say, just follow the guidance within and things will just unfold. When you kind of let creation take over, Yeah. you know, things just unfold. Wow. Things just happen and you just have to kind of surrender, kind of, you know, just let it take over. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing I've uh, realized. And it's still so difficult, you know, because obviously it's so easy when things are going my way. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just want to surrender. But when things are not going my way, that's the real, that's the time to surrender. Right. So it's essentially something that you have to do every day. Every day you yeah. need to remember that you need to surrender or, you know, yeah. get lost in this. Yeah, you just let life happen, pretty much, you know, instead of controlling it. Yeah. You know, and when you really start paying attention, Alex, you'll notice, like, we control everything. Like, mm -hmm. if we're not feeling better, right, Yeah. automatically, we control that to make ourselves feel better by distracting ourselves. Like, oh, you know what, let me um, have chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> So even those little things will come up as you go along, but start, start slowly, you know, start slowly. Yeah. Because if you jump too fast, then again, you go back into this anxiety. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't know. So you have to take like baby steps. Right. So you don't get overwhelmed by that's yeah, That's awesome. Exactly. So yep. um, I, I have a feeling that you probably shared it in those, those last remarks there, but I want to just give you an opportunity again. In closing, what are three takeaways that you would like to leave with the audience? Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I did speak about this, but, you know, one thing that has really worked for me and has opened up so many possibilities for me is just to um, be, you know, just to fully accept this moment that you're in. Fully accept it. You know, um, just not worry about the future so much or plan the future so much. Just whatever is happening here, you know, just give yourself to it completely. Um, that's one of the things. Um, the other um, thing is, uh, I think it's very important to have some kind of a spiritual practice um, in your day-to-day -day life. And, um, you know, making that a part of your routine, your your lifestyle. Right? Mm -hmm. Just how we take a, a bath or take a shower, we need an internal bath as well. Mm. So I think, you know, that's very, that's key. Yes. Um, I know one more thing is um, just be inclusive, you know, just um, opening up your heart. You know, just looking at everything with, you know, loving eyes, you know, uh, just with an open heart. Um, I think that in itself can just transform. Just be being so open and loving to everything and everyone around you, even especially the people <laughs> that get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, those three things. So. Yep. Knowing you, I know that you absolutely live that. Like you are very inclusive and you're you you treat everyone the same way. You're always so warm. And it's it, it's it's remarkable. So I just want to thank you so much for your time this today. And um thank you. yes, it thank was thank you so much for having me and you know, letting me speak, even though I'm still, you know, um a student in this life. Uh, I'm still learning as I go along and I, I feel very humble, you know, to be here and to share uh, my experience. So 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Karishma. Felt what I felt when I was over there. You know, I think that's what I try to recreate in my life here. Um, you're in such a state of mind because of all the practices you're doing and all the meditation you're doing. I mean, I, you know, people there are on fire 24-7. There's no such thing as like, oh, no, I don't want to do that or not. No, people are fully on, like mm. fully on, just completely willing to just give themselves mm. to everything. I have cleaned the toilets over there. I have cleaned people's vomits over there. Wow. I have I've done, I've swept the floors, I've mopped the floors. I have done so many things that I never thought I'd do without getting paid. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I did it with so much intensity and so much like love and gratitude. It was just, it was incredible. Uh, yeah, it was, wow. I would say the best, one of the best experiences of my life. What, do they have ashrams here in the United States? Yes, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, so, I, yeah, so uh, the ashram that I go to, there are two locations, the one in India and then the one in Tennessee. I used to go to that ashram all the time to take advanced programs. Um, so the one in Tennessee is called Isha uh, Inner, a triple I, Inner um, uh, Institute, Institute, sorry, Institute of Inner Sciences. Okay. And this uh, is in so Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is in Tennessee. And, um, oh, my God, I've, I've also lived there for three months uh, to do volunteering. And the same thing, you know, I, uh, same routine. You wake up, you do your practices, and then you just completely give yourself. Wow. And, you know, I think the key thing, it, it's not just the energetic space. I, I mean, that has a, you know, uh, that's a big factor. But the key thing is when we completely give ourselves, we kind of forget ourselves. Mm. And there's, I'm telling you, there's magic in that. Like if you volunteer, you know, like sometimes when you're just doing things for other people um, and you have completely forgotten yourself, something happens within you. I, I can't, I don't know how to describe it, but I think your heart just opens up so much because you completely forgotten about your psychological drama and what your needs are and what you want. Mm -hmm. And you completely devoted yourself to someone else's needs. Wow. That's really powerful. I just want to sit with that for a second. Um, it's almost like, you know, humility is the word that, that comes yeah. to mind. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you're not stuck on yourself and what, whatever scripts you have in your mind about who you are and your background and your family or, or anything like that. You're just devoted to, to what you're doing and how you're helping people and just kind of uh, yeah. clearing your mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I think the ashram being at the ashram, it, it taught me that, you know, and the Sadhguru, uh, the yogi, he, he says the same thing. He's like, you know, you come here once in a while, that's fine, but your whole life should become like this. Like you're at the ashram, like you are volunteering. You should be a volunteer in life. Mm. You know, you should give yourself to everything, even the likes and the dislikes. Wow. You know, anxiety, anxiety happens, frustration happens when, you know, things are not going your way and you want them to go your way. You know, yes. so there's such connect so if you just allow things like if things are not happening your way that's okay you just allow that you know you allow that those things to happen too mm. um and i think that opens up so many possibilities yeah and as a person it just opens you up wow now you're not limited by those things you know it's like oh okay uh, this doesn't happen i'm not gonna do this no anything happens I want to be fully on, you know, and I want to fully give myself. Wow. So that pretty much I took that, you know, from me yeah, being at the ashram. Okay. And then while I'm recording, um, if you can just explain, if you can just explain what is an ashram. <clears throat> so ashram, um, like I said, you know, it's a place for uh, spiritual growth. Uh, cleansing yourself internally. Um, everything is designed in such a way that you just become more receptive, you know, 
to the energies uh, in the ashram. And um, it's a great place for self-reflection. It's a great place for uh, transformation. Um, the ashram itself is um, uh, an energized space. <clears throat> so uh, it's very, you know, it's very conducive for spiritual growth. Wow. So do they give you like a program or a pamphlet, a manual? How do you know what to do when you get there? So, uh, yeah. So um, initially, like for the ashrams that I go to, you know, the Isha Yoga Center, uh, you have to be initiated first into the practice, which I did. Once you're initiated, you fill out a form to volunteer. So once you fill out a form, um, you know, they interview you, you know, they, you go back and forth with emails. And then once you go there, they give you, so you share, you know, like these, they have these little dorms, you share rooms with other people, you have your bed. Um, and then uh, throughout the day, they tell you, you know, the schedules for everything. And they give you your own schedule to, uh, for volunteering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I want to, you know, obviously, since we go way back, you've shared with me a dream that you had um, yes. that has stuck with me ever since the, from the moment I heard it. Can you share that dream with the audience? Yes. So some time ago. Um, so um, just so you know, I'm not even though I'm Indian, I'm Hindu, I'm, I'm not religious at all. I'm very spiritual. You know, yeah. um, so it's not like I stick to one religion. I'm very open to everything. So uh, some time ago, um, uh, I had a dream. Um, so I, I've been very drawn to Christ and Christ consciousness. I've always been very drawn to that. And uh, I had a dream about uh, him. The dream was I was walking uh, with him. And um, while we were walking, um, you know, below us, like on the side, uh, to the side, there's just so many people trying to reach out. Okay, they're like in this murky, muddy, like black water. And they're just in so much pain and they're just trying to reach out. And um, so I asked, so I asked him a question. I said, why aren't you helping them? You know, they, they need help. Why aren't you helping them? He said, um, you know, I'm, I'm always here. You know, I, they just need to reach out and hold my hand. Wow. Um, and yeah, and, and that actually has been with me for so long. And I think that maybe that could have been, you know, um, the start of my spiritual journey. Wow. Yeah, and and while we were walking, you know, uh, he said, "You I, see, I I don't know how to. I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting very emotional right now." Um, it's okay. He said, he's "Always." He said, "He's always there. All we need to do is just reach out and hold his hand." And. Um, you know, I, when I had this dream, initially, like, you know, when I had it, yeah, it impacted me in a big way. But slowly, as life goes by and time goes by, I'm really coming into realization that we are so stuck in our psychological drama. Yeah. Um, that he is always there. He is always there. He never leaves. Right. All we have to do is just reach out and hold his hand. Mm. Mm. You know, so that's so powerful. So, so this is almost what started this journey with you going, returning back to India, and yeah. wow. So you learned, you shared that you learned that he's always there, and all we have to do is reach out and and, yeah. and ask for help. Yes. Wow, that's so powerful. Just want to sit with that for a minute. Yes. So talk to me about your everyday life and how has 
your spiritual practice and this 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 spiritual journey affected your everyday life? Um. Yeah. So uh, initially, when I got started with this spiritual journey, you know, you you're typically think, oh yeah, things will probably be so great and things will open up and this and that. And yet initially it does. Like, you know, uh, you have more energy, you have more clarity, but but things also speed up. Uh, when I say that, what I mean is all your limitations kind of start coming up very quickly. So it could turn into, uh, you know, a chaos <laughs> as well, even though you're on this spiritual journey. And even though I'm doing all these practices and meditation, uh, I personally think that happens is because um, there's no point of doing yoga meditation if it's not a part of you in your day-to-day life. Yes. So if you're not applying those things in your day-to-day life, there's literally no point to doing that. It's not just a 30-minute or one-hour thing in the morning. And the rest of the days, you know, the rest of the day, um, you just go on about your day. You know, um, you're not aware of why you're doing this uh, or aware of what's happening in your life and how you're reacting to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So my day to day life, you know, I make sure the practice I do in the morning stays with me throughout the day. So um, I try to be. um in the present as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's pretty much not worrying about the future. Like I'm not thinking, oh, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? And not just worry. I don't even plan anymore. Like, oh, well, when COVID is over, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I had, I, I've always had a tendency to just plan for the future. Yeah. So lately I'm realizing like, no, I have this moment in front of me, which is never going to happen again. Okay, this moment will never be Mm -hmm. this moment. (laughs) So why am I never enjoying like what's happening in front of me right now? Why am I always so worried or so concerned or always planning for the future? Wow. So I tried to incorporate that into, uh, you know, my everyday routine. Um, And also uh, one big thing I've noticed is... um, you know, whenever I wake up, you know, um, I have these thoughts that really bring me down. You know, they really bring me down. So lately, what I've been doing is I, I really, I just stop those thoughts. As soon as they start surfacing, I just tell myself, hey, that is not important. It's just your mind. flattering, mm. you know, going endlessly. Yeah. All it's going to do is bring you down. So do you, is that something you want to focus on? And, you know, I I tell myself no. And then I just focus on, you know, either brushing my teeth or doing the dishes or making my tea or Mm. just the small tasks. Yes, that's it. And I think that in itself is so big because it brings you to the present moment. I know it sounds so like minute and you feel your mind is like, oh, you should be doing bigger things, better things. But that's, again, the mind. Wow. You know, so just bringing yourself to, like, whatever you are doing. And and I've noticed, Alex, like, um, lately, like, anything I'm doing, I because I'm doing that, I put my everything into it. Wow. So, like, it becomes, like, the task, like, even washing dishes is, like, this amazing, you know, thing that I'm doing because I'm completely giving myself to it. Wow. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, it changes your energy. It changes you as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the biggest thing I've noticed is when that mind becomes quiet, oh, my God. Like, mm. you know, amazing ideas will pop up. Clarity will pop up. Like, my heart just opens up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just. That's yeah. That's incredible. So. For someone that's interested in yoga, maybe, because um, it seems like yoga is at the core of kind of what what your spiritual practice looks like. How yeah. do you? How would you advise someone to get started? So, see, it'd be very easy for me to be like, oh well, I 
you know, went to this yoga center, you should do this. But because we're all so different, we have all these different paths and we are um, drawn to different things. You know, I would say, like, maybe start with a book, a spiritual book or, you know, or something that you're drawn to. But as far as practices go, I'll, I'll be very honest. Uh, I've done a lot of meditation and yoga and this and that in the past. The one I found to be very effective is the one that I, I do for Isha Yoga Center. It's funny because as I'm listening to your, as I'm listening to you speak, yeah. I'm piecing together that I have an app <laughs> by some dude that I've never been able to quite huh. make out his name. Huh. It's Sadhguru, and it says Isha. So I have this app, and but I've I don't really know how to use it. Every now and then I go in and I'll listen to like a message, one of his videos. Yeah, so that's funny. So so crazy. So did he himself uh, initiate you, or he has people that he trains? No, he himself. Really? Oh no, no. So there were different, there were different uh, times, right? So I'll, I'll tell you. Oh my God, I'm telling you, this this thing is like another conversation, okay? <laughs> my journey with Isha. So initially, when I in 2017, when I got initiated, um, it was a teacher that he initiated, and who has been doing this, you know, for a very long time. So. Um, Actually, so when you get initiated into his program, it's not even the teacher who initiates, okay? It's I know this sounds really bizarre, but I was in that program. It was four days, right, the program. Uh-huh. And the last day when the initiation happens, uh, when we close our eyes and he walks through the process, Alex, I kid you not, okay? I am not even exaggerating. I actually felt his presence right there. I felt he was right there sitting right next to me really? i swear okay and i was really like you know so, so i was freaked out by it wow. it really was wow um but yeah teachers just facilitate and he initiated oh my god really? I, it was like 